Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, the Super Bowl is behind us. We gotta talk about that. We're gonna talk NBA trades. Obviously, we've got a lot to look forward to in terms of the offseason for the NFL, so I'm always gonna be talking about that. Again, that's really what I love to talk about, but we're gonna talk about the NBA more on this podcast coming up here soon, especially with the playoffs and all that stuff coming up, so... Make sure to stay tuned for it all. I've been watching a lot of college football film recently, getting ready for the draft. I'm telling you, I, I really do like a lot of these players. It doesn't feel um, as top-heavy, but, I mean, I feel like there's just a lot that's being slept on in this draft. I feel like there's a lot of potential for receiver. I like a lot of the running backs. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm just really excited to get into it. And, yeah, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the NBA. Let's get right into it. So first things first, obviously we got to talk about what's most recent. We just saw an amazing Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs. It really was everything I could have hoped for. I mean, if you bet with me, hopefully you made some money and listened to some of the, some of the props I was really liking. Um, Jalen Hurts had an amazing game, but I mean, a team won by exactly three points. That was very clutch. A really big bet there. And then the other big one was, uh, what am I? what am I forgetting? The Dallas Goddard one, that was good. But there's one more I'm forgetting. Juju over in receiving yards. Um, there was one more really big plus money one that I... Oh, Eagles winning the first half and then Chiefs winning the whole game. That was a great one too. Hopefully you guys took some of those. But, I mean, what a game. You really never can count out Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid and the Chiefs. I mean, they've done it time and time again. Going down by 10, going into half. Mahomes kind of hobbling on that ankle a little bit. I think a lot of us kind of wrote them off, and they really just showed why you can never do that. They're going to be continuing to one of the best teams in the league. Um, it really is a dynasty on our hands as long as those guys choose to play together. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is a really big part of this. It's going to be interesting to see how much longer he's going for. But, I mean, just they deserve it. I'm really excited for him. I've got to say, obviously, Betting-wise, I feel really good, and maybe that's giving me a little bit of this bias, but I just feel like this is such an incredible team we're watching. It really is something special. What Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are doing together, in particular those two guys, the play calling was so good in this game. It's been so good all season long. Patrick Mahomes really just played so composed. The fact that he had no turnovers at all. They didn't allow a single sack in this game. They're obviously just incredibly well-coached, incredibly disciplined, and honestly, it just doesn't get much more impressive than that. Let me turn off my ringer here. Um, as far as the Eagles go, I mean, they had an incredible season, right? But I really just do think it comes down to experience. It comes down to coaching. Um, Jonathan Gannon got exposed a little bit in that game. Not saying that he's a bad head coaching hire for the Cardinals, because I'll talk about that in a different episode once I, you know, make up my opinion about that one and, you know, form my own thoughts. But my point is, um, Andy Reid did really have some great play calls in this one, and it really got exposed. Those two touchdowns to Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney, I mean, they were identical plays, right? Just on opposite sides of the field. You guys have probably already heard it. It was called Corn Dog. It's going to be the next Philly special until there's another play that has some name and everyone asks about. Um, but yeah, that that was just a complete bust. And I really think, obviously, you can blame <clears throat> the DBs at a certain point there. There could have been some miscommunication. Uh, you never really know who's fully to blame, but that it's just one of those pieces that you feel like you could have trusted the Chiefs players not to make a mistake like that and again it just comes down to just um Nick Sirianni's inexperience Jalen Hurts inexperience not that Jalen you know made he played outstanding don't get me wrong he really did 
um, play amazing. If you're an Eagles fan, you should still be extremely positive. The fact that this is a, basically a different team that went to the championship just six years ago, um, you just obviously have the same GM. There's a couple leftover pieces along the offensive and defensive line. Other than that, I mean, it's a completely rehauled team, so you should feel really confident in your team-building skills. Um, you're not paying Jalen that big contract yet. He's really proving to be. Obviously, we knew, we knew the character. We knew the leadership. Um, sometimes we thought his tools could be a little limited in terms of his just throwing capabilities throwing down the field his accuracy but he's he's really silenced i mean myself included i was a little skeptical about him obviously um that's i don't think that's like yeah definitely probably on tape i probably have said that somewhere on the, along this podcast that i don't know how much i trust him but he really did make some incredible throws it just he had one really crucial mistake and it was that fumble um nick bolton ended up taking it back for a touchdown i was so excited watching that play live but yeah, that really was one of the big differences in this game. Obviously, we're going to get into the, that penalty later in the game, and a lot of people you know, want to blame that, but that's not the point right now. The point is that really was a huge swing in this game, a swing of seven points potentially. I mean, the Eagles were driving before that. They were already up, four, or what was it, 14 or 10? They were already up 10 at that point. They could have made it at 17. Uh, would have been a lot harder of a hole for the Chiefs to get out of. Instead, Jalen Hurts, crucial mistake, fumbles, only has one hand on the ball. It kind of looked like it slipped out of his hand, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and then Nick Bolton obviously making an incredible play, taking it back to the crib. Um, but it's just, yeah, I mean, when it's two amazing teams like this that are just so dynamic and so talented and have such good coaching staffs, and I mean, it's it's a game of inches, right? And we really saw that in this game. So I guess that kind of, you know, segues me to the next point that everyone is talking about is that penalty call. That penalty call um, obviously helped the Chiefs drain the rest of the clock they needed off and then kick a field goal at the end of the day we really don't know what would happen if that never was called if i mean i just at the end of the, i'm trusting the chiefs more i don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be obviously you know you can have your opinions whatever I, james bradbury came out said it was a hold i have a lot of respect for him saying that and then for first off this is a whole nother tangent but the fact that james bradbury came out said it was a hold and was just an amazing sport about it and he's now going to be a free agent i believe and probably going to be on the move because who knows if they'll be able to afford him my point is juju then came back and said you know tweeted the valentines or whatever like will you be my valentines a picture of him whatever the goofy ass shit it was i didn't really pay that much attention to it but god damn it like <laughs> why are you doing shit like that like one guy was being really sportsmanlike, and then you come back and say some stupid ass shit like that and then aj brown <clears throat> got involved in it and i know you're like it just doesn't make sense. Why are you trolling like that, man? Like, be a good sport. Like, you just won the fucking Super Bowl. He didn't. Like, have some decency. I don't know. I, I don't not like Juju Smith-Schuster or anything, but that was just, like, rubbed me the wrong wrong way because I know I wouldn't want, like, an athlete. If I was an athlete, I wouldn't act that way. If I was, you know, a captain on a team, I wouldn't want my teammates acting like that. Whatever. That's not the point. Um, getting back to the Philly to Philly's side of things they did obviously mentioned it a little bit earlier but they didn't get a single sack in this game and that really does come down just back to Mahomes composure he really couldn't get too much going in the first half they were pretty much stagnant as an offense and then coming out of that second half I mean I think he went 13 for 14 at one point and his one incompletion was a throwaway you guys might have already heard that stat by now but again that's just ridiculous and it's not like he was averaging huge numbers and I think that um let me pull up the numbers now where'd I put those bitches? Um, I'm just going to look it up again. Sorry about that. Um, 
But I lost my fucking train of thought. Let me just look at the numbers, goddammit. Oh, yeah, he wasn't throwing anything crazy down the field. I mean, he had 21 completions for 182 yards, right? So he's not even averaging 10 yards of completion. That's really not a very Mahomes stat line. But again, not a single interception, not a single sack, not a single fumble. That type of stuff really does make a difference and obviously ended up being the difference in this game. When you look at Jalen's stats, you would have thought that those were Mahomes. I mean, three rushing touchdowns along the ground, maybe not that part, but that's ridiculous. 15 for 70, three, three carries along the ground. Um, 27 for 38 passing for 304 and another touchdown on that deep ball to AJ Brown. I mean, just an incredible game by him. It really was that the, their weapons really got involved in this one. I'm glad they didn't call that Devonte Smith catch that a catch along the sideline. Uh, I thought they were going to for a second, but that was, yeah, that was definitely not a catch, but I mean, Devontae, seven for 100, really, really efficient day, 14 yards of completion, or a catch, I guess. A.J. Brown, nine for 96, and that big touchdown. So, yeah, just, obviously, if you're an Eagles fan, like, you want the W, but your team really did play a damn good game against, you know, the most well-coached team in the league. And in terms of time of possession, they did their thing. They, they controlled the ball, especially in the first half. I think at one point the Eagles ran like 60 plays to the Chiefs 30. I could be a little off about that, but I want to say that stat was out there. So it just shows you that the Chiefs really made the most out of their opportunities because when you look at their plays, it really doesn't seem like, you know, they're getting these huge chunks, which, you know, you'd figure if you have less time of possession, you'd be getting these huge chunks, but it really just was. It just came down to just decision-making, uh, clock management, play calling, all of it. The special teams play by Kadarius Tony, which I can't believe I haven't talked about yet. That was a huge swing in this game, and what a terrible special teams disaster in that moment. Kadarius Tony making the most out of his opportunity there, obviously being traded for in the midseason for a very low risk for the Kansas City Chiefs, paid off in a huge way in this game. And on that note, before I, I mean, after I go over, you know, the the longest punt, oh god, you guys can definitely hear that motorcycle, sorry about that, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, I thought he was going to crib that shit, that was crazy, but... The Chiefs have brought in so many valuable players in just the last calendar year. It's insane. This team is so good at drafting, so good at building. Um, and it gets me really excited as a Bears fan because uh, Ryan Poles comes from that tree. But that, that's a whole different conversation for another day. My point is, they got contributions from Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, uh, Leo Chanel got a lot of snaps in this one, a rookie linebacker out of Wisconsin who I loved his tape. He's really, really physical and really good at stopping the run as a linebacker. And it, it, this was a perfect game to bring it in against a ground and pound team like Philly. Um, I was really impressed with what he did. George Karloftis obviously turned up earlier in the season. McDuffie had a ton of snaps. They've got a ton of rookies amongst all their DBs back there because they run a lot of DB sets. Nick Bolton, a second-year player. Creed Humphrey, a second-year player. I mean, it is just so incredible what this team is able to do, and it's really why I believe this team can be the next dynasty in the NFL as long as Andy Reid chooses to keep doing it because obviously the head coach is one of, if not the most important part of it all. Obviously, you can argue that in quarterback, but my point is, <clears throat> this team drafts so well. They're so good at team building and they have so many contributions coming from these young guys. Isaiah Pacheco, I didn't even fucking say his name. He's a rookie too. He's a seventh rounder. So it's just, it's super impressive. I'm really excited to see what this team does in the future. And getting back to the numbers of it all, I mean, to speak of some of those rookies, Sky Moore with his first touchdown, or I don't think his first touchdown of the season, that could be a little bit of an exaggeration, but Sky Moore getting a touchdown on this one, finally having, you know, that spotlight on him because i really do like sky Moore a lot i'm wishing the best for him i was very big on him coming out of college isaiah pacheco though 
just another really, really efficient game on the ground and making just not crazy plays. I think he had one, like one or two, like breaker, true breaker, break away runs in this game. Whoa, that was way too much of a tongue twister for no reason. But I mean, just efficient. 15 for 76, 5.1 carry and a touchdown. Amongst this Eagles defensive line, you'll absolutely take that. And then Travis Kelsey doing his thing, making his presence felt very early in this one. Scored the first touchdown for the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Six for 81 in the touchdown. So, and then Juju turning on in the second half. Even Justin Watson had some really clutch catches in this one. I think his prop was at one and a half catches. So anyone who took the under in that, just sorry guy that fucking sucks but um yeah i mean i don't know what else i really have to say about this game i kind of got to the end of my notes but i mean i just fucking it was everything i could have hoped for and more it really was a great game and also i guess before i move off this game because obviously maybe i kind of brushed over the the whole penalty part but bradbury already said it was a penalty and beyond that if you're just going around because refs like Yes, officiating can always be better, and we can always complain about officiating, but uh, to be fair, like, and I don't want to sound like some sympathizer, and I'm, like, falling for the script, and fucking whatever it is, like, yes, there are, are there egregious calls made? Yes. Are there some really bad calls made? Yes. And are there ways to fix some of those calls? Yes. All of that I agree with, but if you're going to sit there and continue to blame refs for every single result of every single game just as a coping mechanism... You're just going to have a really bad time as a fan. You're going to feel really whiny. And I really do like to think in my heart that the best team most of the time wins when they play each other. And I really did think the better team in this game won. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, I can't say it enough. They deserve all the flowers. They're going to be really good for a really long time. And fuck, the AFC is going to have to go through Arrowhead for many years to come. Obviously, AFC, very loaded conference, a lot of young quarterbacks. So there's a lot to look forward to. But I mean, fuck. If I'm putting my money on anyone, it has to be the Chiefs. So, with all that being said, how long have I been talking about the Super Bowl? 13 minutes, not too bad. This might be a shorter episode because, honestly, like I said, I'm NBA is not really my forte, so I'm not going to like spend too much time on all this. But let's get into some NBA trades because I obviously said I was going to talk about them a little. I've had some time to talk to my friends, uh, do my own little bit of opinion searching and all that type of shit. So, let's start off with the big ones, obviously. I think the first one to happen was Kyrie Irving, so we can talk about that first. Let me go to the details of that one right now. Um, got the fucking notes in front of me, but there we go. So, the Mavericks got Kyrie, they got Markeith Morris, the Nets got Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first round pick, so fucking years from now. Well, how old would that kid be? That's like a... Is that like an 8th grader? Am I wrong? Is that an 8th grader? Um, I don't know. I think that's an 8th grader though. Two future second round picks as well. Um, don't know what the year is on that one. But I mean, so obviously, I think a, a lot of people have genuinely heard their opinions about it. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't think you're learning too much from me here. But Kyrie Irving, the, one of the best ball handers, one of the best just all around offensive talents we've ever seen in the sport of basketball. Luka Doncic getting a little less pressure off of him. His usage will probably go down a little bit. Um, I think a lot has been made of who would make, you know, who's going to be the guy to take that last shot in the big moments. But I really don't think that's going to matter as much as people think. I mean, obviously, either one of them can take it. But I don't think Kyrie's going to be out here complaining if Luka's taking it every time and vice versa. I mean, if anything, I think Luka might be that guy because he has been the guy that takes the shot every single team he's been on. He's always been that guy and he's always been consistently doing it. Um Kyrie has played with a lot of other superstars that they want the shot, and they're, he's 
prepared for them to take the shot. Um, but beyond that, I mean, storylines, usage-wise, how they're going to play their positions, um, I just think they need time to gel, and I really do think they're going to like each other. I don't know how well... I mean, the thing is about these two players is that, like, Kyrie is just so shifty, and he's such a good finisher around the rim, yet he's also... He can play make so well. I just don't see a way where this really doesn't work. I just feel like they're too talented. They're going to make it work. They're both amazing shooters. They're both amazing ball handers. Like, obviously, they both are very high-usage guys, but I really do think as long as they're winning and they figure it out, um, I think they're both going to be happy with the results they're going to get. Obviously, you never know with Kyrie Irving. He's a very temperamental guy. It seems like he's always switching up teams. He's done this with many teams before. Um talks about long-term futures how he wants to be there i was very excited for the for all this and that and the next thing you know boom requesting trade boom got traded for whatever it might be um so obviously that plays a little bit in it but i mean i just think as long as he's winning and he feels confident and he's obviously going to be a free agent and he wants a lot of money but i really do think the mavericks would be the type of team to do this i don't think they make a move like this if not obviously if Kyrie was under contract for longer i think the nets would have gotten a lot more in return but they just don't have much leverage but to get spencer dimwitty back who can still be a really good scorer he's shown that um since he's even been there he's kind of been on a mission had, had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder dorian finney smith again known for three and d and he that really is his formula which is such a valuable asset in this league and especially the way the game is played these days a first round pick in two seconds i mean that's still not bad from the nets point of view because he could realistically sit out or he's gonna walk anyways because he doesn't care and he has nothing to lose so i mean he obviously he's not under contract he'd rather you know bet on himself be healthy um you know whatever he might have done but at least they get something back for him is my point and then markeith morris you know on his way out but he's still he's he's solid he's a solid contributor uh, other than that though i mean if they can get a long-term deal worked with Kyrie and he is consistently playing, obviously this is going to be an amazing move for him. The question is if that's going to be the case. I think I still need a little more time to make up my mind about this one. I would say off first impressions, like, I love it. On paper, it seems really fun. I mean, it's a really fucking fun offensive duo. Obviously, their defense is going to struggle a little bit more, but... In this NBA, if you just put up fucking points and you play somewhat alright defense, have some 3 and D guys, like, you can make it work. Um... And I just hope that Kyrie doesn't, you know, make a big deal out of anything. I hope he doesn't fizzle out. I really hope he doesn't enjoy his time here. Because I think these two could be super fun to watch together. And just as a basketball fan, I would love to see it. It would be really fun. So let's talk about the next one that I think happened. I think the next biggest one, whoa, sorry about that, guys. I know you heard that, was uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant going to the Suns, obviously. Suns making really, really aggressive moves here. This is going to be their window to win now, investing their future in the right now. Uh, they they got Kevin Durant, TJ Warren in exchange. They shipped out Mikal Bridges, whoa, Cameron Johnson. Uh, how many first-round picks is that? That's four, right? Yeah, they got four first-round picks. Oh, no, 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 because they got three first-round picks, another first-round pick swap. <laughs> then another first round pick in 2029 and then a second round pick from milwaukee and another second round pick in 2028 from milwaukee as well because this was, ended up being a three-way where the bucks got jay crowder it got kind of complicated in there which i guess i can talk about after that because i actually do like that move a lot for the bucks but getting back to kd here what i'm trying to say is the nets got essentially what they get they got four first round picks a swap and then two second rounders as well as mikhail and cam johnson so i mean 
Obviously, thinking long-term, Mikhail and Cam are still very young. I think they're both under 26, if I'm not mistaken. Mikhail might be 26. I think Cam's younger than that. But, um, and like, they can be valuable assets. They really can. I love Mikhail's game. I mean, just, I love watching a good two-way player. And I think Mikhail's, like, scoring ability is still not fully unlocked. He's really good at the three ball, but he's, I think there's still a little more there. I think what, now that he's going to have like more of the show running through him, I think that's going to be a huge um, advantage for him. Sorry, I'm watching the Sixers game live and Harden just got an assist to Embiid and I've Harden's assist and Embiid's points parlayed together. So that's just like such a, such a wet dream as a sports better. Anyways, um, I don't know why I described it as that. Anyways, I'm getting so sidetracked. Um, so let's get back to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant obviously going to the Suns. Um, fuck. This is their window. This is they're trying to win now. If they can do it, it's obviously going to pay off big. They've got a lot invested in this in the now. He's 34 years old, I believe. Three more years on his contract. So he's he's going to be there. Um, and I really do think he'll enjoy playing with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul has already been declining. Um, he showed he had a really good game two nights ago, I believe it was. Maybe that was last night. Um, but already showing signs of declining. So from Phoenix's point of view, it's a very aggressive move that could definitely win them a championship. No doubt about it. Just having all those threats on the court at the same time. And obviously their defense is going to lack a little bit more from it. But again, it kind of comes back to that point where if you just score enough points and you have that many pure scores, um, it doesn't really matter. The one thing I am a little, I, and I, again, I, this doesn't really matter, but it's like very nitpicky. The spacing might be a little weird because a lot of these guys like to play um, in the mid-range, but I, they're all like great shooters from three too. I mean, Chris Paul's not having the best year shooting from three, but they can all do it. So it's not, again, it's very nitpicky. As far as thinking long-term for this team, um, you better hope this all these players can stay healthy and stay on the court together because we've obviously seen in theory super teams we just saw it with kevin durant's last team and then it ends up fizzling out pretty badly and being very underwhelming for what they were trying to do on paper with the superstar power they had um i'm not saying this is going to be similar to that situation i'm just saying you don't want it to end up like that situation and there's a way where it could and if health is an issue that's definitely you know a factor that could play into that happening so i mean Again, you're really just rooting for health in this one. You're really just rooting that um, Chris Paul can keep playing at at least, you know, what he should. I mean, just not continuously declining, I guess, is that, if that makes any sense. And, um, yeah, I think their window is like three years. I think they could certainly win a championship in that window, but that's really what this trade comes down to because their entire future is now with the Nets. They're going to get a ton of picks out of it. But as far as... Here's the thing, just trading someone of Kevin Durant's caliber, just you don't see shit like this happening. A top 15 player of all time being on the move. I mean, the Nets obviously got the most they could out of it, but even it almost still like, I don't think anything will ever feel like enough for Kevin Durant, just a player of that caliber. And um, him being on the move, obviously Kyrie left before him, so it felt like they kind of needed to blow it up. But I don't know, it's just like, feels like, Building around KD would just be a smarter option. Obviously, they have less trading places to like trading pieces to trade with. Excuse me, um, but just you don't see shit like this happen. You really don't. And just getting unknown commodities. Wow, James Harden just made a three two. I've got those as well. That was super fucking clutch. Sorry about that. Um, but getting unknown commodities 
in return for someone because at the end of the day like that's all first round picks are you never really know the player you're gonna get yeah you can have the first overall pick whatever that's like basically one of the only guarantees but other than that there's so many busts in the nba draft we see it year after year and getting unknown commodities that have the potential of you know just absolutely fizzling out or just being average players that just doesn't feel like it might be worth you know a kevin durant even if he is older in age he's just still so dynamic we've seen his scoring ability obviously he's had a little bit of health concerns but we've seen him do it so many times and on the biggest stages and you just i don't know i don't know that's 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 really my thought i don't know where i'm trying to go with this i'm really ranting now but you just don't see like shit, shit like this happen is all i'm trying to say this is just one-in-a-lifetime type trade player of kevin durant's level going to a whole new team for all these assets and it really does come back to the rudy gobert trade in a way too because before rudy's trade who knows what kevin durant would have been worth right i mean you would think less than this because rudy fucked up basically the entire trade market and next thing you know like players on rudy's caliber are going for i think it was four first round picks as well so I don't know. Let me know what you guys think about this. I, I need more opinions. I'm trying to get more knowledgeable in basketball. Um, yeah, so hit me up. Let's talk about the Lakers before we get out of here because I don't really want to talk about any other. I mean, there was some, like Jay Crowder, for example. Like, that was a pretty good sleeper pickup by the Bucks, getting some more defense. Obviously, a very elite defensive team, but a guy that can shoot the three as well, space the floor a little bit. Good move for him there. There's a lot of moves like that. Wow, Harden just had another assist to Embiid. Let's fucking go. That's so big. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. But, and then, I mean, other than that, like, Eric Gordon, that was that was a good pickup for the Clippers. I liked what they did there. Obviously got rid of John Wall um, and Luke Kennard, but getting three future second-round picks and Eric Gordon, a veteran that's been around doing it and can still produce, absolutely, um, in a team that's trying to win now, I, I really don't mind that move. And then also getting some future assets in three second-rounders because, yeah, I know I just said unknown commodity second round picks, but that seems to be like a currency these days in the NBA. Like three second round picks that aren't your own. You don't really mind trading those as much for a proven asset, which they might do later down the road is what I'm trying to say. Um, and then this was a weird move. I don't know about the Warriors uh, trading that three-way trade where they, they traded away James Wiseman. They got Gary Payton the second. Three conditional second round picks from Atlanta. And then the Hawks got Sadiq Bey. Um Oh, was this a four-way trade? And then the Blazers got five. Oh, yeah, that was. Obviously, Kerry Payton came from the fucking Blazers. The Blazers got Kevin Knox and five future second-round picks. Um, yeah, so this was just really weird to me from the Warriors' point of view. I don't mind this from the Hawks or the Pistons or even the Trailblazers, but I really feel like the Warriors just did a strange move. And of course, I'm going to say this, and they're going to go ballistic and fucking win a championship, and you should never doubt them. And I know, I know, I know. But... It kind of feels like they gave up Gary Payton. Um, they got three conditional second future round picks. So I don't know what the conditions on there there. I'd have to do a little more research. But off the top, it kind of feels like they just gave up James Wiseman for Gary Payton. A little bit. I don't know. I need to read these conditions. And I'm just kind of assuming too much here maybe. But it feels a little weird to me. And I know Gary Payton someone that's been there. He knows the system. Bringing him back in might help. And James Wiseman wasn't making much of a contribution anyways. But James Wiseman someone who just spent a second overall pick on. That's an extremely valuable asset. Um, obviously extremely talented. And he hasn't really worked out. But giving up on him when he's this young um, just feels kind of weird to me. Let's keep going. What else happened? I'm sorry. I'm scrolling down because I Thomas Bryant got moved. Um, I'm not really going to talk about those Lakers moves. I will talk about the Lakers getting D'Lo, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, though. Um, 
in the three-way trade where Russ sounds like he's going to get bought out. He's now in Utah with Damian Jones and uh, what's the other guy's name? Juan Toscano-Anderson. Um, the Lakers also gave up a first-round pick in 2027. And then the Timberwolves got, I'm looking at it now, they got Mike Conley. Uh, I don't even know who that guy is. Sorry, <laughs> lack of basketball knowledge looking through. Uh, 2024 second-round pick, a 2025 second-round pick, and a 2026 second-round pick. So, I mean, Utah's going to buy out Russell Westbrook. It sounds like he's going to end up on a, on a different team, so that's basically a wash. I don't care too much about this trade other than the Lakers part of it because I was kind of critical of it at first. I don't love D'Lo. I just like feel like... He's a little bit overrated, but he has been having a really efficient year. I had slept on him. I haven't been watching enough of him. And honestly, this is a pretty good move for the Lakers. The Lakers have needed a guard like this. I think Schroeder's been doing some really good things, but bringing another guy in like D'Lo, I think is going to be really beneficial. And I think he can do enough catch and shoot and creating spacing for LeBron that once LeBron's back, you know, he can handle the ball a little bit, bring that pressure off Braun, but when Braun wants to, you know, drive and slash and do his thing and kick it out, D'Lo can be there to catch and shoot the ball. Um, Beasley and Vanderbilt really add some good defense um, in substitute of, you know, missing out on Thomas Bryant. They got Mo Bamba back in that one. So I, I was critical of this trade at first, and I mean, I still think there's somewhat of a valid reason to be a little critical of it because it's just exactly, like, how much does it turn the needle Right now, it feels like they needed one more like true superstar, even though, again, that's just not an easy thing to do, especially when you're trying to get Russell Westbrook off the books, excuse me. Um, but, again, you can never count out LeBron. He is, you know, King James. <laughs> AD's done it with him before. Um, and if the chips fall right and they end up in the playoffs, you really can't count them out. The thing is, I think before all these trades, they were at best a play-in team. I think now they're at best like the seventh seed. I don't know if I'm still being too critical. Maybe the sixth seed, um, depending on how injuries roll out and all that. Because you really never know what is going to happen in a season. But I just don't know how much this really turned the needle, turned them into contenders. Um, and so, again, maybe I am being a little too critical. But I think it improved them for sure. I think it was good moves for them. Um, both financially and we're thinking about the future and also thinking about today, I really did like the moves. Um, but does it make them contenders that I don't know? So honestly, I'm going to wrap up the episode here because I'm getting distracted. I'm watching the Sixers game too much. Um, I, yeah, I feel like I got everything I needed to get off my chest and I really want to hear your guys' takes about the NBA. So seriously, hit me up. I'm really down to like just chop it up, talk to you guys about it. Um, take props. Harden just hit another fucking three. Oh my God. I only need three from me. He has two already in the first. Let's go. Um, yeah, see, this is what I mean. This is why I got to wrap this up though. Cause I'm getting way too invested. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, be sure to follow me on this account here on Spotify. Be sure to follow my account on Instagram at Murphy's League. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Have a great rest of your night and peace out.